All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 25 of The Rank Shrinks. We caught up with our good friend, Keith Coin. It was a great interview with him. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we talk about the NHL's new marketing hire and also NCAA players are now going to get paid. Uh, what do you say, Mots? You ready to roll? Let's go. Okay, Mots, we are back. Episode 25 of The Rink Shrinks. What's happening, my man? Not too much. Not too much. A little break in the heat here. Get a little rain. You know, good for the grass, good for the bushes. (laughs) (laughs) That is. Everything's going to be growing. (laughs) And nice and green. Nice and green. That's, uh, yeah, that's great. The heat was out of control here. Yeah, it was extremely hot. Uh, the last couple of days and just, you know, like that, that oven type heat that just hits you in the face when you get out of the car, you know? Yeah. So yeah I mean, the, instant uh, sweat. Instant sweat. My, uh, my brother was even saying, he's like, it's not even this hot in Florida. He was complaining. I was, I was with him the other day. I'm like, wow, you've, I didn't think it got much soft. more. Yeah. Yes. You're soft. I didn't think, I, I didn't think it could get hotter than Florida really. You know what I mean? But we'll, we'll take it. You've been, uh, have you been watching the NHL? Obviously the playoffs have uh, been exciting. We got the cup final Tampa's up two Oh, as we speak game f- uh, three will be Friday night in Montreal when this drops. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think Tampa's, you know, just taking, taking care of business with, uh, you know, capitalizing on the chances, but Montreal had a really, really good game too. Like tons to, to build on, even though they're down two, they're going back to Montreal. Um, I just think that, uh, you can just take so many positives out of that game. And Vasilevsky was like the big difference maker. They, they kind of had just two kind of mental, letdowns that one goal that was at the end of the period was a great individual effort by Coleman but other than that I just think that Montreal should be actually pretty um confident going into game three yeah yeah the the goaltending is insane and the the pace of play and everything is just it, it's so high and like you always say you're getting the best of best of everybody every night and it's it it's so fun to watch they uh the games have been great hopefully uh it, it's just too bad i I it's got to be such a tough environment going now up to Canada after playing in like that electric electric environment down in in Tampa, and now it's like oh we got thirty five hundred you know people at the game. I saw something online that like a pair of tickets, like the lowest pair of tickets that you can buy, like almost twelve thousand dollars. Like, are you kidding me? Is that not Some nuts? Blue. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts that there's thirty five hundred people in the stadium, the big stadium, and there's like twenty thousand outside in a packed little courtyard watching yeah. the game on a big screen. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, it's maddening. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, I just I think that they'll um, still make it a series. They have, you know, they still have that believability, you know, and I think they can carry over some of that momentum from game two because they really did play a a strong game that had over 40 shots and got a ton of chances ton more than the first game so yep yep anything can happen anything can happen they can make it a series uh i want to talk quickly about this show i've been watching this thing's awesome i want to get you into it and what makes me think of it is our one of our sponsors franklin um i'll talk about them first we always talk about how important it is to play multiple sports growing up and not getting burnt out by too much hockey and keeping it fun. It's also so important to develop skills like hand-eye coordination from baseball, lacrosse, footwork, 
soft hands from flag football or soccer. Our partner, Franklin Sports, can act as a one-stop shop for all your equipment you need to play these other sports, uh, as well as street hockey equipment. In addition to... um, in, in addition to the street hockey equipment, they're offering 20% off for all of our listeners uh, by entering the code RINKSHRINKS. Again, that's 20% off at franklinsports.com. Um, but what ties into the, the show I've been watching, the Kings, Mots, have you got into it at all? No, I don't know on, anything about on it. On Showtime, good stuff. Uh, it's a four-part series, and it's about uh, – Basically, these you know these absolute stud boxers back in the day, and Sugar Ray Leonard. I was watching it, and uh, Sugar Ray had on a Franklin T-shirt in the uh, in the in one of the videos. So it, uh, I was laughing, um, you know, when, when I saw it, and obviously watching, you know, one of the greatest boxers ever ever to to do it. But the the this show, The Kings, I highly re- recommend it. I haven't finished it yet. I'm about two episodes in. It's about Sugar Ray Leonard, marvelous uh, Marvin Hagler who's a, you know, a Brockton guy, uh, Thomas Hearns, and Roberto Duran. But they show some of these highlights from the boxing matches and some of the, you know, all the different things that, that were going on in these guys' lives and things like that. But it's a highly, highly recommended show. It's good stuff. And, again, uh, make sure you guys take advantage of that 20% off of uh, franklinsports.com. Those guys have been great partners with us. Yeah, that's as far as uh, I wanted to show you this, this was uh... – Something my daughter made for me. I don't know if you can see it. It's pretty Tuck good, right? Very Beach Park. Yeah, she painted that. Painting? Wow. Yeah. That's so, unbelievable. I'm going to get a little frame for it, chuck it up in the uh, the office, and I, I keep asking her to make me things, and she does have some legit skill. Her name, yeah. uh, Rowan, Rowan Moto RM on the bottom here. Uh, I think Remember that name. Yeah, know? seriously. Next Picasso. Yeah. So yeah, she's like, yeah, that's just okay. I'm like, well, let me let me know when you do something nice. Yeah, yeah, we uh, that that that's fantastic. I mean, I can't even draw a straight line with a ruler. You know what I mean? So that any artistic ability, but that's that's fantastic. We'll make sure to get that out on the uh, on the Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, and show it off to uh, to our listeners. Uh, we had some some developing in the hockey world, Mots, and uh, not just the hockey world, but I want to talk to you about you know how this the uh, NCAA uh, players can now get paid um, off of their name, uh, image, and likeliness. Obviously, uh, I know if this was back in the, the the late '90s at Boston College, those motto shirts would be flying off the the shelves, and you'd be sponsoring every night out at Mary Ann's, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, on some level, I, I, I get, I get this is this is kind of a, a touchy subject because I feel that it could also open up a can of worms of, mm-hmm. um, you know, student athletes getting, you know, more perks than another, uh, you know, it just, it just, there's going to be some, some difficulty in policing it, that's all. I do agree with, you know, being able to make some money on your your name and, you know, likelihoodness that you like shirts and stuff like that. That's very simple to track. Right. Yep. But then yep. there's going to be some some other things out there that, you know, might be a little less than, you know, uh, upfront. And, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But I think it's a step in the right direction as long as there's some boundaries there that, um, you know, people can can you know benefit from being themselves and performing as well as they do 
on the athletic fields and, um, you know, just reaping some of the rewards of that. Yeah, I mean, I also think, too, that that a lot of these, um, you know, kids and, and, you know, you see it a lot more in, in college sports at, you know, say at football and things like that. But people, you know, not all the time come from these highly wealthy families. And a lot of times kids make the jump to junior hockey, you know, because they know they might be able to, you know, they turn pro quicker and they may be that may be the fastest route for them to go, you know, at at. 16, 17 years old to start that pro style game and eventually become a professional. And, you know, maybe this leads to some of those kids actually staying around, right. And going to college because they say, Hey, I can, you know, offset some of these costs. I know you, you know, you're probably not going to get rich off of it, but you know, maybe this person, you know, the, the social media falling, right. They, they, they get that up and they, they, they work with some of these other, um, you know, high, high, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, but the, you know, those, the, the, you know, people that they can capitalize off their likeness, whether it's online, on YouTube, on Twitter, on, on Instagram, and some of those pages that, that they can actually, you know, market themselves and make a few bucks at. And, uh, you know, I just think eventually, it, it, you know, it could, it could, you know, maybe help those guys kind of stay around and go the college route uh, versus trying to become professionals at 18 years old. Yeah. And as it is now, you're not allowed to have a job as, you know, a scholarship athlete. So right. th- this, this could help also help, you know, provide a little extra um, money for, you know, if you're a full scholarship athlete, there really shouldn't be anything that you need, but you know, obviously, you know, yeah, you, get, you, need, you, get, you need, you need money though. You need, like, you need some walk around money. You, you need, yeah, I mean, who yeah. doesn't need walk around money? I'm not eating every, every one of my meals at, uh, you know, the, the Stokehall cafeteria up at UNH, you know what I mean? If I can sell a couple a couple jerseys or, you know, a couple things like that, then and make some, some money. So I don't have to drink Keystone lights all weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. You're doing right? it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, no, I, I think there'll be some benefits, but it'll just be interesting to see how they uh, kind of corral and police it. And if there is any loopholes that they will be found. Yeah, um, they'll be fine. So. I mean, I think like, you know, you, you look at a bar stool, right. And they're going to, they're going to market like, you know, why wouldn't, if you're a Cole Caulfield still at Wisconsin, right? Why wouldn't you go to them and talk to them, uh, you know, have some type of conversation and say, hey, you know, if you guys sell T-shirts and things like that with my name on it, can I get, you know, 25% of that that cut? Or, you know, obviously you, you work that type of stuff out, but, you know, that why not? Uh, that's That's how I look at it. Why not be able to capitalize and make a couple, you know, monies? At the end of the day, the university and the NCAA is making – a lot of money off of you by coming to watch you play by coming to watch Mike motto, you know, dance a lot across the blue line. Why can't you make a couple bucks doing it? You know, imagine, imagine Eagle t-shirts with moths on the back. Like those things would have been flying like hotcakes. Yeah. Like sauce passes, you know, yeah. Unbelievable. Get, There's I'll one live. guy that's still up at UNH that rocks a Yandel Jersey. I've, I've I get oh, no way. Like twice a year. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like my, how much mu- mustard's on that thing? Oh man. Mustard ketchup. <laughs> I do. I do wonder though. Like, if you go, let's say you go to, you know, BC, you go to a game. Are there going to be players? You know, how you can buy like the T-shirt with the player's name on the back. Like, technically, does the school have to pay the player to pull that off at that point? You know what I mean? Like, is that well, is that no, something they got to strike a deal when they you know sign these guys? Is that? Isn't that usually a thing where, you know, mostly if you were to buy a college jersey, like just, you know, let's say I wanted to buy a, a football jersey, like a, you know, whoever it is, whoever the, the, the top player is, it's not, do they, do they 
for a long time, they didn't have their names on it. It would just be the number, right? Correct. I don't know if that's changed. That's what I mean. Like, say you're, say like you're to your point, Cole Caulfield, right? He signs with Barstool, but does his school, are they able to also put his name on merchandise at events? And if they are, he should be being compensated for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? So there's probably, Absolutely. Yeah. There's probably some, uh, and, and you know what? You probably feel guilty. Then these guys gave you a scholarship. Now you feel guilty charged. I don't know. It's going to be wild to see how it all plays out either way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. Uh, it's going to be interesting for sure, but hey, I think if if you can stop making some money and putting a few bucks in your pocket, hopefully hopefully they can work out all the kinks. Like you said, it's going to be interesting, but if you can get some guys, uh, you know, stop making some money and, and maybe those guys hang around and go to college and, and, and play in the NCAAs for an extra year versus having to go, you know, chase the almighty almighty dollar in the, in the minor leagues, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's... Uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there, you know, to to partner up with uh, people and and possibly uh, make some money. So um, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, another thing that was big in the uh, in the NHL news and social media world here, and obviously Mots and I were uh, we're you know a, a few twenty years too old for this type of stuff. But the NHL hires uh, Josh Richards as a special advisor to the NHL as a voice of the fans. Uh, Colin, and you're, you're pretty tight, you know, tied in. Richards is a, uh, a barstool employee. So what, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's fantastic because the dude is just absolutely dominating social media right now. And I mean, he's got a top podcast. He's huge on TikTok. He's huge on Instagram. I think it's a smart play. The younger you can get in a game like hockey, obviously, the better. Uh, you know, I was even telling Mots when we were off air, I'm looking at the, all the names that ESPN's hiring to announce hockey games on TV. And it's just nobody under the age of 50. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, this is a great move to bring younger people to the mix that consume sports in a very short amount of time, right? They want like short, quick clips that entertain them because their attention span is so low at this point. So I think it's a fantastic move. It's hysterical to see hockey Twitter, which typically sucks anyway. It's hysterical to see them freak out. It's a great thing. If that happens, you know you made the right call. So the NHL, good move. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. There's a hot take from from <laughs> Davey Hot Takes. <laughs> yeah, the hockey purists might not be too excited about some of the uh you know TikToking that's going on by josh but like you said grow the game you gotta have you know open mind to to reach new audiences younger audiences what are kids looking at and it's in these short bursts and and, and the social media platforms that i know my kids are all over so uh yeah good for the nhl grow the game in any which way you can and um I, i'm looking forward to you know, maybe get my own TikTok uh, account so I can yeah. follow them. So you can, I say, I say, throw the bag at anybody who is popular on social media. I mean, even look at like Justin Bieber. Like he did a whole music video centered around the Maple Leafs because mm-hmm. he's obsessed with them this year. I mean, the shit like that. That's what actually probably grows the game versus some of these other nonsense initiatives that they take. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's a great call. You can't lose in this situation. So. Yeah, you can't lose. I mean, the guy's got 40 million followers across social media platforms. And like you said, I think some of these, you know, purists and, and, and you know, Mach, you and I are kind of, you know, we are those guys. I mean, we're not our, our fathers who just love, you know, turning on channel 38 and watching the bees game. But, uh, 
you know, these guys, they, these young kids, it's, it's about growing the game. And if, if you can get to these kids through, um, social media apps and little things like that. And, and, you know, again, at the end of the day, hockey is all about expansion and growing. And if we can continue to grow and you've seen them take the right steps and, you know, the ESPN and TNT deals. And if we can, we can get these people that are, you know, so-called social media influence influencers, um, in the mix and, and, you know, helping spread the the word about how great hockey is, then it's a, it, it's, it's a win in my eyes. I agree. Yeah. That's more exposure, the better. And, you know, you get people interested in the game uh, at whatever level, you know, whether it be, you know, a younger kid who wants to uh, just start skating, wants to be a fan, whatever it may be. Um, we got to, uh, you know, find different ways to do it. And this is, I mean, my kids are all over TikTok. I'm like, hey, when we were out doing the uh, the six line skills, we were, I was talking about, you know, the the footwork that we had to do. And I'm like, you could turn this into a TikTok. Yeah, you, know? you did say that. Yep. And we just, yeah. So, as it, you know, we just got, uh, speaking of the six line, uh, we, we want to log on to the six line.com to register for upcoming defenseman skills. Uh, in at the rank with the rank shrinks, we have clinics coming up at the Canton Ice House in July. Log on to the sixline.com for more details and learn from the rank shrinks on the ice as well as off the ice. Yeah, we just wrapped up. We, yeah, we just yeah. wrapped up a, a little three day little mini camp, which was was fun. We had uh, bought a, some kids from different um, different states out there, some kids from Maryland who are up, and and it was nice. Uh, Nice working with those guys, and it's always fun to be on the ice with you, Mots. And and I took a couple pictures. I think a couple people thought that that I was you, but no big deal, you know. I mean, yeah. it's kind of kind of tough look for you to be like, oh man, what happened to Mots? Is he used to have a face for TV, and now he's just disgusting. But <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it was great. Uh, good turnout, and um, you know, boys and girls. Yeah, the family, the Phelans came up from. Marilyn, Ryan, Luke, and Matthew, which was great. Come, come up and visit grandmother and, and join uh, join us on the ice. So as far as uh, the turnout, it was good. And, and just trying to get some reps in that D-specific stuff is very important. You know, like at times you don't really get a chance during the season in practice to do a lot of backwards skating, retrieving pucks, point shots, uh, and that, that skating uh, foundation that is so, so necessary to be a good defender. So... Um, yeah, it was a good job, you know, only three days in and out, get out of the heat and, um, we're looking forward to the July one. So yeah. And those, those skills, like you said, Mots, not, not to cut you off, but like, you know, to, to work on your backward skating or, or handling the puck skating backwards and making plays. Like you talk about these rule changes now that we, you know, we discussed last week on the podcast. Like if you're not able to do that, if you can't handle a puck, the coach is going to be yanking you off the ice when you throw the puck in the zone or take an icing penalty, uh, not not penalty, but you know the the whistle blows because you iced the puck on the penalty kill. Um, if they can't trust you to go out there and actually look and handle a puck and make a play, then you know it's going to be difficult. So why not jump in and and you know hopefully we can we can assist you guys with that. And looking forward to July at the Canton uh, Ice House um, and working with, with 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 some more kids. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, actually, one thing that I um I was reading through those rule changes. Can you change on an icing on the PK? Can you have a line change? Yeah. I mean normally unless that unless they updated that. Okay. No, I no cuz I didn't see that, but that would be a real um interesting dynamic. 
you got a tie group out there. They ice it. You know, they get called for the icing, and then they kind of change. Right. That would be interesting. Yeah, it's kind but, of yeah, I didn't that, see that, that but I Yeah, no, sure. I don't I mean normally you can. Normally you can change um, okay. as soon as you ice it. And again, I mean that's we talked about it last week, so we don't want to beat it up too much. But I mean, if I'm playing against a good, you know, a, a good team, right, at the Pee Wee major level next year, and you know, I'm just saying this for example, but if if a team has the puck and we're kind of hemmed in the zone, like I know I'm telling my defenseman, hey get it off the glass and out. If we take the icing call and they blow the whistle, like we'll deal with the face off on our end. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That we, and, uh, we get four fresh legs out, yeah. And I get fresh legs out there. Yeah. You know, and maybe, maybe they change up, maybe their guys are tied and they get, you know, they, they got to put out their secondary unit or, or, you know, guys that aren't as strong at on, on the power play. So, uh, you know, it's, we well, can I talk about think, that stuff all day long. I know. I just think it just, we'll get in kids heads. To try and make a softer play, there'll be turnovers and stay in the offensive zone a little bit more, which yep. it's kind of goofy. But you know, just make hard plays, get it out of the zone, make sure you get it out. Who cares if it ices? That's what I used to say. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Well, Mots, if you, uh, I want to talk quick about cross country mortgage. If you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with Devo to see if it makes sense for you. Um, Many people don't understand the impact that refinancing can can have on your monthly savings or overall wealth. Devo may be able to help you on that monthly basis and put more money into your savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevin.com. Again, go to chrisdevin.com, and he and the team at Cross Country Mortgage will let you know if they can help save you some dough. Uh, Cross Country Mortgage, LLC. NMLS number four seven three oh five. Thanks again to the to to Devo and the crew across country. They do an excellent job, and you know, putting putting money to help help save up for those hockey tournaments, right? That's right. Or the project or projects around the yard. I mean, oh, uh, geez, here we go. Now there's this. You're gonna, stuff be, that you're I- gonna have to get the mower going with with this rain coming in. I know that's that's on the docket for the weekend. I mean, I Fourth of July weekend, you got to make the yard look tight. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think the the rain is good for the the grass, you know. So yeah, hopefully. I just hate seeing the rain out for summer baseball. We had uh, last night we were playing, and you know the thunderstorms came in. That was a uh, little disheartening, you know what I mean? Right in the middle of the game, that kind of stunk. And then tonight got rained out, so that's not uh not good. But hey. It is. Are the boys is. wearing their um, their Franklin batting gloves? Oh yeah, they got the custom gloves going. Colin got his uh, his cast off on Monday, which he was psyched about. I took him right down the field, and uh, he's got a little brace going, but he's able to throw and catch, and and uh, he was hitting the ball fine. So I think the coaches weren't really expecting him to be ready to go so quick. But I told him he's hockey tough. You know, you got to play through some through some inju- injuries. It's 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 summer ball. Yeah, it's a long way from the heart, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but we uh, we're in the thick of it. Any big plans for Fourth of July weekend? We got a parade in our town. Um, you marching? Yeah, we usually. You want to uh, float this year? Well, I hop in a uh, an <laughs> antique truck, and the kids throw candy in the back. So, so you get to drive down the street and and see everyone. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, our, our kids are getting a little old for it, but. Um, you know, we we have ne- nieces and nephews, and so it's a '48 um, GMC that uh, my my brother in law has now. Uh, it's an old work truck, 
just oh, like his uh, his grandfather's oh, that's uh, awesome. when he started the company so yeah it's really cool so it's oh. really nice uh nice day and then we come back there's fireworks uh that we can see uh just down the street so we got a, we got a good good weekend planned nice nice that's great i uh we're heading down to marsh vegas for a couple of days i gotta work the the fourth of july but i'm off the second and third so hopefully hopefully the weather co- cooperates a little bit you know yeah no that's uh I haven't looked at the the schedule, uh, the uh, the weather, but it it's uh, doesn't look too good. Yeah, that's what I heard. Someone said that, but I didn't. I didn't check the Doppler out. <laughs> check the Doppler. I just want. I love the Doppler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we didn't. We didn't mention our guest this week, Keith Coin, um, a former teammate of of Mott's. Mott's played a full year with him. I had a a, a cup of coffee with him, um, but great guy, amazing story. Um, he, you know, he, he played public school, high school hockey, uh, at, at Chelmsford high. He went on, he played division three hockey at Norwich and, uh, you know, was a national champion up, up, up there and kind of an up and coming program played for Mike McShane, uh, who's a, a UNH guy and, uh, you know, great legendary division three, um, you know, coach in, uh, in college hockey, but, you know, went on to, you know, he, he would you say he played, I know, I know he's played, you know, he played o- almost 800 games in the American League uh, without playoffs, 145 NHL games. I uh, played over in Europe for, for some time, won a few championships over there. So really went from, you know, the, the you know, he went from rags to riches. He played in every league that, that possibly was. And just a great story of, you know, kind of an undersized guy in, in, in his path and his career. Yeah, I mean, like we, we, I hope you enjoyed the interview, but we, we cover a lot. And he, uh, just a, a kid that just persevered and believed in himself and, you know, just kind of stuck with it and proved that he was good enough at each level. And it's a great message for, you know, parents and, and kids to hear. And, um, yeah, so his total games, usually, you know, for some reason, you don't include playoff games, which is weird. But I don't know. Yeah. But his total games was 1,275 games over the course of 17 years and um yeah that's just that's great you know a bunch of different levels and uh he has some good stories along the way yeah and he's not afraid he he he's he like you um is a red Sox diehard he's got he's got a wally tattoo just like you (laughs) and uh it's it's good stuff uh i want to talk quick before we get to that interview about tsr uh TSR Hockey is New England's premier hockey store and is proud uh, to partner with the Rink Shrinks. TSR Hockey is the hockey store that specializes in fitting. TSR fits players correctly to the right gear to maximize each player's performance. Uh, TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best this season by visiting www.tsrhockey.com. Yeah, and and just check that website out. They're great guys. They can. We always talk about the different selection that they have. They're not tied to one product, so you have a, a nice selection. Um, you know, it can customize to whatever team or player uh, that you know that you enjoy. What type of product? So, and make sure you visit them at tsrhockey.com. This week's guest on the podcast is our good friend Keith Acoin. A 2001 graduate of Norwich University where he recorded 238 points, holds the school's record, 145 NHL games regular season, and 20 NHL playoff games. 
and had a, a ton of minor league success, including two Calder uh, Cup championships. So welcome to the episode in the podcast here, Keith Coin. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super psyched to have you, Keith. Obviously, uh, it's not very often we have a, a AHL champion, a Stanley Cup champion. Uh, obviously, your success f- speaks for yourself. And I think what's the most interesting part about you is, you know, especially in this you know new age of hockey where times have changed since since we were playing. But you know, you came out of Division Three, you came out of Norwich University, uh, you know, and, and right from Chelmsford High High School, which is a public high school. So, walk us down that path a little bit, kind of how you got started, how you got into the game, and how you, uh, you know, ultimately had such a successful career. Uh, yeah, well, I grew up in I grew up in Waltham, uh, and I moved to Chelmsford when I was twelve. Um, so I grew up playing. I played up uh, in St. Moritz when they were around in the, the Metro League, and then. Um, when I moved to Chelmsford when I was uh, 12, I ended up playing for the little Chiefs Metro team. Um, so nobody really knew me in Chelmsford. You know, like I was kind of the new kid. And, um, you know, my first time in my health class was the hockey coach. And I was sitting in the front row of his class. And he called my name. And he's like, are you a, like, O'Coin, the hockey player just moved to town? And I was like, yeah, I guess. I guess that's me. And uh, he's like, wow, you're small. I was like, oh, thank you. Um, so uh, that was the first time I met the, the Chelmsford High School coach uh, as a freshman. Um, but back in the day, everybody played high school hockey. So, like, you didn't have to go anywhere until, you know, after you graduated high school. If you want, around that time, everybody was repeating a senior year and going doing that route. Um, but, you know, I had a great, great four years. I got the, we had four really good years of, uh, you know, quality of play at Chelmsford High School. Um, you know, we we're playing Matt Non, Catholic Memorial. Uh, St. John Shrewsbury, all the top teams. So, you know, I was playing against the top level talent um, in you in the Massachusetts. Except I never played against you guys. So I guess I didn't play <laughs> against the top talent. But uh, <laughs> so that's kind of how I got going, and um, that's how I got through in Chelmsford. And then um, I can keep going how I got the Norwich and all that if you want. But no, no, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. I want to. I want to hear uh, what type of influence. Dan, the man, Danimal, your dad, Dan O'Coin, uh played a role in your development growing up. And um, you could just tell us about some of your early influences as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, my dad, uh, both, obviously both parents are really instrumental. And, you know, they're the ones getting us up at the end of the morning. And, um, but they pushed me to be good. Um, you know, I love baseball, as you guys know. July 1st, Red Sox are in first place. So we got to represent the Red Sox, first of all. So... Um, but baseball, I loved playing baseball and, you know, they really pushed me to play hockey cause I was good at it. And, you know, I fell in love with it as well. But, um, there was times like growing up, like when I was 14, 15, where I wasn't, I wasn't making the all-star teams that I wanted to quit hockey. Um, and, and both my parents pushed me to keep going. You know, they wanted me to keep going. And it was hard because I was playing, I always felt like I was good as the guys that were making the top teams, but I just never wasn't making it. And, um, but both my parents always pushed me to keep going. You know, there was times where I wanted to stop playing and just play baseball in high school. Um, but they kept pushing me to play, and um, that's why I stayed in it. Um, but, you know, my dad always taught me to work hard and never give up, and that was always my, my motto going through my college career, and um, it worked for me. Obviously, you know, a lot of people say that, but uh, for me, I always believed in myself, and, you know, that came from my parents. No, that's great. Is that something like – 
would you relative relate that to obviously you're not the biggest guy they list you at five foot eight like was it a size thing was it a skating thing or was this something that you know when you didn't make those teams you really said all right I got to get better at this or, or you know you took that and used it as motivation yeah it was kind of all the same thing I was always too small um, I wasn't a good enough skater I wasn't fast enough um, so it's kind of those three things were always thing that was kind of labeled on my back and I kind of had that throughout my whole career, you know, from high school on. Um, and I was fine with that. Like, you know, I knew I was going to be a big guy. It wasn't something that ran in the family, but, um, I always knew at every level, if I just got the opportunity that I could, I could play. And my biggest thing for me is, was my mind. That's how I was good. I always knew what I was doing with the puck three seconds before I did it. And that's what made me a good hockey player. You know, I didn't have to be the best skater, you know, but I knew what I was doing with the puck two or three seconds before I do it. And, that, and that's what made me good. You know, um, I worked on my skating. I worked on getting bigger and stronger in the weight room and that helped. But the biggest thing for me was my brain, you know, and, and that's what kind of got me from, you know, college all the way up to the pro level. Was that something that, like, where would you attribute that to? Was that something just watching hockey or was it something like playing street hockey and different things like that? Yeah, I think it was watching hockey. I mean, the, the, the two guys that I watched growing up, you know, almost every night the Bruins are on was Adam Oates and Craig Janney. Those are two guys that I kind of, I think my game resembles the most because um, I was a passer. Um, so I, I watched them growing up, you know, five, ten years and through college. Every Even in college, when the Bruins were on at night, I watched them and didn't do my homework. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I really loved watching Craig Jenny and then Adam Oates came and I watched him, um, and they were passers. Kind of, I kind of resembled my game to them. Um, so I kind of, I think I learned from them watching them so much of how they play the game and how they pass, how they held the puck that extra second to make that pass. So I think that's where it came from. Well, I, I can definitely, um, you know, second that with, you know, your hockey intellect, you know, we were teammates in Cincinnati 2003 and just skating in the summers and playing against you. Um, you know, you didn't, you, your stick was over your head. You didn't know what lie or curve you used, but you were one of the best passers. And this is honest. I, one of the best passes that I ever played with and, uh, and, and against, because, you know, you could, you could change the angle, you know, with the, the length of your stick, but you could just find guys, you could find guys, with through the smallest holes. And I remember one play in particular, it was, uh, I think it was when you got called up to the Lowell, um, uh, lock monsters, lock monsters. That was like, Oh, one or two or something like that. Yeah. Your, your, your rookie year. Yeah. And it was the overtime, uh, game. And I went to close him behind the net. You know, I'm just thinking that he, he doesn't have much. He's a right. He was behind the net. And I, you know, just kind of didn't really go stick on puck, just trying to go get get to him. And he just feathers it like over my stick, between my legs, right to the guy in front, game winner. And they were off celebrating in the corner. He's tough jumping. dash, tough dash yeah. for Mots, huh? Yeah. You never but, forget the minuses, Mots. No, no, but I well, just you know, you know, I, was to, my, to I, point, I was minus though. I was minus thirty one when I played with Mots. I blame him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> but to your point, though, you you definitely process the game at a very very high level, and um, you know, just taking it back a little bit to the people that kind of didn't really believe in you or believe that you could take that jump. Um, is it true that you have a a letter from uh, a head coach at a D one school uh, still? I do, I do. I I won't say the school. I'll keep it to ourselves. But yeah, I do. I got um, a letter. Uh, my, after I played in the Super 8 
my senior year. Um, and they said that, you know, they really liked me, but I was too small. So that's something I kept my, I think my mom still has it. Um, so it's kind of one of the things that I had that I used to, you know, drive me to, to get to the next level. So, um, those are the things like, you know, and then we were talking about the Red Sox, Dustin Bedroy the other night, you know, he's kind of the same thing. I'm not comparing myself to Dustin Bedroia, but <laughs> you know, he's like a small guy that, you know, kind of made and had that chip on his shoulder his whole career. And that's kind of the way I was too. And I always felt like every time I went on the ice, I had to prove somebody wrong. And that's, you know, that's kind of what my, my, my mindset was. And, I held that my whole career from my first year all the way to my, you know, my last year in Germany. Uh, I just way I always played. Um, so, you know, I use it to my advantage, you know, so um, I, have, I have no regrets. Yeah. And that motivation, like, like, I mean, just to go over a couple quick stats, obviously Mott's talks, talked about you being the scoring all time scoring leader at Norwich, but I mean, 857 points in 769 games in the American league, which is a pretty damn good hockey league. Uh, you know, uh, 49 points in 145 NHL games. And then, um, you know, basically a point a game in the DEL over in, in, uh, in Germany, which is uh, uh, just amazing stats. And, uh, you know, it's something that, that, you know, guys like you, you just, you, you found a way to make plays and make people around you better. And, and, and that's something that, you know, I was lucky enough to play a few games with you at, right when I got done up at UNH and, uh, and we had a good time and, and it yeah. was, you know, it was a blast, but you were the, you were, you know, one of those guys that just obviously you made everybody around you better and, and you just you saw the ice so well and were able to make those, you know, short little passes and little hesitation plays. And, you know, it's one of those things that it, it frustrated me as a player, too, because people, you know, one of my biggest knocks was my skating ability. And I always felt like, hey, but at the end of the day, you know, I got an assist or two or whatever, and you're putting up points and it's, it's difficult. And I think that's something that, you know, we can relate to, to the kids that listen to the show is, you know, you might not be the fastest or the biggest or the strongest, but if you can go out and create and, and make the players around you better, then, you know, you're going to have a, a, a a long successful career. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. You know, and and I took pride, I took pride in, you know, I never cared about scoring goals. I took pride in, you know, getting my line mates goals. Like, that's what I love to do. Like, I didn't care about scoring goals. You know, I'd rather have, you know, five, you know, two assists instead of five goals. You know, like, that's just the way I was. I loved passing. Like I said, it's just something I grew up with, and I kind of just continue to work on it. And, um, you know, one thing I always did in practice was, you know, when I was in – I never took a shot on two-on-one in practice. I, never, I just didn't do it because I was practicing passing through a defenseman's legs – or through his triangle and a stick. That's how I got better, is that practice. So every practice I had two on one, there was no shooting in my game. I was passing. Somehow I was going to wait for that guy to get open, whether it was through the defensive feet or through his triangle. So that's kind of how I worked on it in practice. Nice. Yeah. And as far as, you know, the longevity you played, uh, you know, the, usually you don't count, you know, playoff games, but I totaled up all your games played, and it was 1,275 games played between – you know, Europe, AHL, a few other uh, spots in the minors and NHL. So that's impressive. That just shows, you know, you didn't miss much time to injury. And, you know, you you played a smart game. You're, um, you know, a valuable part of a team. So you keep getting re-signed. And that's just like a, a testament to like that work ethic and that dedication to the game. And, you know, that's something you should be really proud of because not many guys can can play at a high level for that long. And, you know, like talking about talking to you earlier, uh, I'm proud of you for being able to do that math, Mott. I had to take my I shoe know. off a couple yeah. of times. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> get, the, 
get the kids down here. I need a calculator. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, over in Germany, um, he won the championship. Was it back to back? We won three in a row. Three in a row. Three peat. Yeah, yeah three, three in a row and uh, two times scoring champion. Was it? Or was it? I, uh, I think it was one. My last the year. last, yeah, yeah, his last year goes out on top like Larry Bird and his crooked finger on the three point <laughs> shooting contest. But uh, I was able to go over and and um, have a visit with him. I brought my gear, and when I skated with him during one of the breaks, it was just great. And I had a great setup over there. And um, Coyne was the man over overseas just as just as much as he was over here. Yeah, we, I tried to get them to sign you for. A- for a week contract, so you got a couple more games in, but he wouldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I but, I needed to shed about thirty five pounds, and I would have been <laughs> more productive. You probably lost. You probably lost ten pounds in that practice. So. I know what, what was going on with that. It was, it was like a yeah. three on three uh, scrimmage. I was like, I I need more bodies to like hide. Yeah, no kidding. Know? But yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, I, back to like I was lucky. I never really had any major injuries, too. You know. Um, I tore my MCL one year, my first year in Switzerland, but that was towards the end of my career. But, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the games I missed were just one or two, like nothing major injuries. So I was really lucky. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with I always had my head up. You know, when I was going to get hit, I knew it was coming, and I was able to get out of the way. But, um, yeah, I was really lucky. What about lucky. Um, not going into the corners? Yeah, that helps, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you got to know who you're out there with. You know, when you're playing against, you know, big defense, you don't want to go in the corner first. So, uh, but when I was playing against you, I know I went in the corner first. Yeah. So, <laughs> even, when, even, when, even when I didn't know you, I remember playing. I don't know if you remember. We played in Providence. I think it was in Hartford. And I'm like, you know, I didn't know you at the time, you know, and I don't know if you remember. We but we got roughing penalty. We both fighting each other in the corner. I don't know if you remember that. You probably don't remember that. No. So it was in Providence, and like, you know, I was. I was like, oh, here's Motto. He's a Hobie Bacon when I'm coming. You know, I got to make a name for myself. And, like, we ended up getting a little fight in the corner. We both got penalties. And, like, we, I think we were playing that together the next year. So we became good friends. But, um, oh, but yeah, awesome. you got to know who you're out there with. You know, you can't yeah. be the first in the corner all the time, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Corner, walk us through, like, your decision to go. You know, you, you, you touched on it briefly, you know, getting some letters and, and um, some notice from Division One schools. But you made the decision basically, at you know, from what I saw at – at 18 years old to just, you know, not kind of chase that, that, that division one scholarship or go play juniors for two and three years and, you know, try to become a 35 year old freshman. Um, and you went right up to Norwich and which obviously is a historic division three program and, you know, great coaching and, and, and things like that. Great as- atmosphere to play in, but, you know, walk us through that decision. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it was, it was hard. Um, you know, I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have many opportunities to play Division One. Um, you know, the two most of the two schools that had an opportunity to play was UMass Amherst and Yale. And you know, Yale, I wasn't getting into Yale, so that's out of the question. Um, <laughs> and then uh, UMass Amherst, um, they wanted me to go to a year at prep school, um, but they wouldn't guarantee me if I went to prep school that um, they would take me that following year. And you know, I didn't want to have my parents pay the money to go to prep school and you know end up doing the same thing. Um, and Norwich was an up-and-coming Division three school. Um, my my high school coach went to Norwich. That's that's where the connection came from with Coach McShane and my high school coach uh, Jack Fletcher. So that's how I, how those two came together. And they were building a brand new rink, and you know they were getting three thousand fans a night. So I knew it was going to be a great opportunity. Um, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen after. I just wanted to go go to college and play hockey and have fun. And um, you know it worked out great for me. I was able to grow up. I was able to get bigger. I was able to get stronger. And 
um, I was able to play. You know, if I went to Division One school, I could have just ended up, you know, 14, 15 forward for three years and not play and not develop. You know, I, I was able for four years play just about every game and, and develop and get better. So um, it worked great for me. That's that's great. Yeah, and you know your your stats progressively got better, and then your senior. I mean, we're we're talking about your stats a lot, but um, you know your senior, you you had uh, a little bit of a dip of, between the uh, the sophomore and junior years. But um, did did you guys end up winning the championship that year? Yeah, we ended up in the national championship my junior season. Yeah, that's junior right. Season. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, that was we had to go out to uh, Wisconsin Superior and. They had the final four. They hosted it out there, and um, you know the semifinals. We, we were down four two in the third. We came back and won in overtime in the semifinals, and then we ended up winning uh, the next night. So um, yeah, that's that's my first real. I mean, I won a championship. I won the state championship in high school, but you know when you get the call, it's kind of a, a little bit bigger. Uh, that was the first time you know winning a, a big championship, and um, you know a lot of my close friends from school. We all you know we're still in a group chat together, and. A lot of those guys are still some close friends. So, um, you know, we had a lot of fun. Well, that's great. And then, you know, you, you, you took that and, you know, you started basically in the, I mean, in the United Hockey League, which is, I mean, talk about probably, probably the bottom of the barrel, right? Dangerous. <laughs> it was dangerous. Uh, yeah. So, uh, my college, you know, Mike Machine was my coach, um, up in Norwich, and and um, he got me in touch with uh, Steve Casper, who was an agent at the time. So, um, you know, and they knew Tom Rowe. Tom Rowe was the GM at the Low Lockmans at the time. And, um, you know, Mike Machine called me like, I, you know, I got a guy that really deserved a chance. And, you know, they signed me to a contract with Low Lockmans with, and I was making, I think, 300 bucks at the, in the United Hockey League in Binghamton, New York, um, in the United Hockey League. And, um, that was the first time, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to play at the HL level. I just didn't know because of where I was. So uh, my first training camp with the Lockmonts, I think I played two games and I, I had a goal and assist. Um, but at that time, and I realized, you know what, I can play at this level. I just got to get my opportunity and take advantage of it. Um, you know, so I got sent down for, you know, most, you know, I played in the plan 30 games. The Lockmonts had 15, 16 points. Um, you know, the rest of it in Binghamton. Um, so I was able to develop down there, but that was, that was a league that you had to have your head up. I think that's how I learned to have my head up. If you didn't, mm-hmm. you were going to the hospital the next night. It was, you could do whatever you wanted back then. So, um, but that first training camp with the low lock monsters, you know, when I'm, I was playing against first round draft picks, that was the first time I was ever doing that. And, you know, it was, I felt that was better. And, you know, I was like, I mean, if I can just get here, let's get to the AHL, make a career out of it. And let's make the next step and try to get to the NHL. Yeah. So now, as far as you moving along with uh, your career in Providence, um, you had a really big year in two thousand two, two thousand three, um, and that's really where you kind of, you know, took hold to putting up some points at the AHL level. Uh, you had a pretty good team down there, and you know, could you talk to us a little bit about that? I don't know, say confidence that you had, you, you mentioned it, you, you look around, you're like, Hey, I'm better than these guys. I'm as good. And then you're, you're saying I'm better. You know, wh- what was it like to have that confidence in your game and just play to your game and then have success? Yeah. I mean, it's important to have a little swagger to yourself. I think when you play sports and, you know, 
um, like I said, when I when I was playing against those draft picks, I was like, wow, I mean, I can play. They're not that. They're not better than me, you know. So, you know that that kind of I knew I could do it as long as I got the opportunity. And then, um, you know, that following year in Providence, I signed a one-year contract with Providence, and uh, Mike Sullivan was the coach of the team that year. And you know, he's a great coach, and I learned a lot from him. And, you know, that was the first really year that you know that if I want. I could put up the points, but, you know, Coach Sullivan, you know, he, he kind of grinned into me. Like, if you want to get to the next level, you got to play all three zones. You're not just – you can't just be a guy that goes out there and puts up points because you can't do it. That's not the way hockey is at this level. So, you know, for the next four or five years after that, you know, I had to put in the work to become a better defensive player. And that took a lot of time, you know. And I owe a lot of my, my success to him that, you know, kind of engraving that into me, you know. So, um, but that year in Providence, you know, I was playing with Andy Hilbert. I was on my line. Um, Matt Hur was there. Lee Gorin was there. So there was some some good, some really good big time players. And Andrew Rakoff was a goalie that year, I, I think. Um, oh, it might have been Tim Thomas actually. One of those two was the goalie. I'm not sure which one. Um, so I got to learn a lot from the, from those guys. Uh, my roommate was Lee Gorin, so I lived with him, and um, you know he was able to you know teach, kind of teach me how to be a professional off the ice. You know that was a kind of a learning experience there as well. So. Um, but that year in Providence, I learned a lot. You know, I learned that you had to be able to play all three zones, not just one. And, you know, I, I knew I could always score. So, you know, making myself a better all-around player was, was really important if I wanted to, you know, expand my career. Yeah, so, I was just looking – I was just looking. Thomas – Tim Tim Thomas played 35 games and uh, Raycroft played 39. So, they basically a pretty oh, even split. Oh, they were both there that year. Yeah, they were, they were both there. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two pretty good goalies. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> hey, so did you go to training camp that year uh, with the bees? Yeah, that was my first NHL training camp that year as well. Um, yeah, do you mind telling you know, the story with Robbie yeah. Fatorik? Yeah, yeah, it's a funny one. But, um, so, like, you know, I'm a big Bruins fan. I'm, I'm already in awe. You know, Joe Thornton's there. You know, Mike and Kenugal, Samsonov, uh, whoever was there. And, you know, I was nervous. My first time, like, you know, so we had off-ice training. And I never had off-ice training before. It was my first NHL training camp, so... I guess I was a little out of shape, but I didn't know I was. Um, so we had to do a bike test or a running test, and I don't think I did very good on it. And you know, I did my bike test. I get on the ice for the first time skating around. I'm already nervous. And Coach Fator- Robbie Fatorek skates up to me, I'm like, "Oh boy, you know, I'm already nervous." And he goes, "Are you fat?" I was like, "I don't think so. I eat a lot of chicken." And that was the last time I ever talked to him. I never talked to him again after that. But that was, that was my story. <laughs> But, yeah, so I'm on the but, Wade you know, Boggs diet. You're on the, the Boggsy yeah. diet. Yeah, I was like, I eat good. I eat a lot of chicken, and and that was kind of it after that. But that's my story. <laughs> yeah. So I made sure I was in pretty good shape after that, so that never happened again. Yeah. Was that something that, like, at a younger age, were you, were you, you know, and just to bring it back a little bit, you talked about playing baseball, but like, did you always play multiple sports? Were you playing hockey year round? Um, how, how did that work in the, in, in the, a coin household? Yeah, for me, it was, it was always a seasonal thing. It was just baseball and, and hockey. Um, you know, all summer I'd play baseball and then when the fall came, I'd stop playing, playing hockey again and kind of get going that way. Um, like I said, I was a huge baseball guy. I loved playing. So, um, I, I played all the way up through my senior year in high school and then I, was, I actually wanted to play baseball in college, but it would have been too much. Once I got there, I realized it would be too much. So. Um, but yeah, it was always summer baseball and then, you know, fall hockey came and, and kind of went from there. 
That's awesome. We recently had another North Shore guy on, Tom Glavin, which was uh, he was a great interview. Yeah, and and you know, just amazing story. Him talking about being drafted in hockey, and and you know, and then like a week later, he gets a and they're basically you know the LA Kings told him like, yeah, we'll see you in three years type of thing. Oh, we'll talk to you in three years. They knew he was he was supposed to go to Lowell, and then a week later he was drafted by the Braves. And they said to him, you know, the next day there's a scout at the door and is like, yeah, we want to sign you. We want you, you know, to start developing and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, you know, he really wanted to play college hockey. He really thought he, you know, he was a good hockey player and he was. I mean, he, he was a great player. But uh, I think that the, the dollar bills from the Braves kind of made that decision a little yeah. bit easier. I think he made the right choice. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll say so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I loved was, his line. He was fun to watch. He was a good pitcher. Oh, fantastic. He's the best, yeah. So w- when we played together in Cincinnati, K, you had just come off that um, that that big year in, in Providence, but I have you in my phone as Big K. And, you know, it's just everyone, you know, no one else is really nicknamed in there anymore, you know, back in the day maybe. But um, so <laughs> in training camp, we uh, – we're betting on what were we betting on? Anything in the in the newspaper, right? And it was it like was the TV. WNBA. <laughs> Anything to find. Yeah. So, we, <laughs> and uh, our buddy Casey Hankinson, who um, is from Minnesota, and he was the captain of that team. He's just super guy. We were writing down um, like our names or maybe our nicknames or something, and and K, it, Keith just put a big K. Right, so it, it just went down as a big K. So for, ever since then, he's just big K. Yeah. So just from betting on WNBA games and training camp, he's big K in my phone. Oh, but yeah. we had an awesome time uh, playing together in in Cincinnati. You know, didn't have the great success that we would we would have wanted. We had a really good team, young team. But uh, again, like I can speak to Keith's, um, you know, hockey acumen and his his playmaking ability just as an, a defenseman on the weak side, knowing that he's not really looking at you, but he knows you're activating and f- finding spots. So guys that could find lanes and get open got the puck. And that was one thing that was was pretty amazing to see live. And, you know, we became really close throughout the uh, that year, drove to the rinks every, uh, rink every day and, um, you know, been really close friends ever since. But that was a really uh, – it was impressive to see up close. And, um, you know, I know that um, Borky, uh, Chris Bork definitely paid – you know, got got to I'll see – pay a couple bills from, from him, right? <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I wasn't a shooter or a scorer, but, you know, a guy – I was going to say, like, a guy like Chris Bork you put with you, and, you know, it's a lot of magic there. So Yeah. Uh, you the most important part about Cincinnati. I'm part of your family forever because of it. Oh yeah, the with the uh, the ring. Yeah, yeah. The the ring was the was shipped to uh, Keith's uh, apartment, and uh, we ended up uh, going to practice. So like Courtney didn't know, and we're driving back in, and she's she's leaving uh, with the with the dog. But we had to go in and g- grab the the ring from uh, Keith, and uh, the rest is history. That was uh, that was a little while ago, but yeah. Time so you proposed that you proposed in Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Wow, that'll go down the memory yeah. books. Oh, yeah. and then as we're going down memory lane here, um, so let's we can talk. You can talk about it, Keith. But uh, he signed in Russia that summer, uh, yeah. and his we- he couldn't go to our wedding, so it was a quick turnaround. And proposed in uh, February 
August uh, wedding. You had to lock her up quick. Yeah, yeah. before she realized. Exactly. Before she <laughs> ran. So um, his uh, wedding gift to us was uh, the right field seats at the at Fenway. It was the new like Budweiser bleaches or whatever up there. Oh yeah, yeah, the roof deck. Yeah. yeah roof so deck. it was great. So he ends up going to Russia. Do you mind uh, telling the story about Russia after this? Keith? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just kind of fast forward a little bit, but he comes back you know, shortly after he left, let's put it that way. And he was able to join me at the game, you know, with the, with the, uh, for the wedding present uh, tickets. So it was great because he wasn't going to be able to make, make make the uh, wedding. (laughs) Then all of a sudden he had a quick turnaround. So tell us about that story about uh, deciding to go to Russia and kind of what, what eventually happened. Yeah. Just a crazy story. But yeah. So after the, uh, we played against Cincinnati was the, the next year was the lockout year. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a great year. Like I said, it was minus 31, I think. So that never helps. Um, but I, I had a really tough time getting a job. So, you know, I had a great opportunity to go to Russia. And, um, you know, they were offering me like 300 grand and I was making 50. So, like, it was like, no brain, let's go. You know, I didn't really think much about it. Let's just, you know, we're going to do it. Um, so I packed up and went. And, you know, I, get, I go there and, you know, nobody speaks English. Um, guy picks me up and drives me to like it was like an army base almost like a an army base drops me off i walk in nobody speaks english um get to my room it's like a you know like a hotel room um so i get there blah blah i get a little situated um and then you had to do testing like like we've already been through this i must not be a good tester that's what it is i can't (laughs) run i can't ride the bike so whatever so you have to go the, the track um, and I get to do a mile in a certain amount of time or two miles in a certain amount of time. Every, every second or every minute you're over, you're fine, like 10000 or $5,000 or something like that. So I wasn't even close to getting to the time that it had to be at. So, you know, half my money was already gone before I could even get a paycheck because I couldn't pass the, the running test. Um, so, like, you know, I was only there for, I'm going to say, three or four days, and I was like, this isn't for me. Like I wasn't happy. I've never been away from home for that, that long, like far away. You know, this at that time is you only have calling cards. There's no cell phones. There's no barely an internet at this point, you know? So it was really hard for me, especially um, in Russia. Yeah. So you know, I, I could see people outside my bedroom window walking around with AK 47s in the military. So like I called my mom, I'm like, I got to hold on like my time. I got to go home, you know? So let's get a flight. So, um, my uncle, got me a, a cab. So I'm, I have no idea. I still, I don't believe, I don't even know if I believe in that he got me the cab, but he got me the cab picking up at seven in the morning to drive me to the airport and the cab never showed up. So like, I'm freaking out. I have a big hockey bag, like two big hockey bags, all my stuff. So I waved down a car, I waved down a car, the car stopped and thank God he spoke English. Um, but he's like, you know, I'll give you $300 American, just get me to the airport. So he, He's like, all right, I'll take you to the airport, blah, blah, blah. He's, so down the airport, we got pulled over. Um, he's like, don't say a word, don't talk, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm not going to say a word. Don't worry about me. So we got a ticket. He let us go, and, and that was my story. So I had to wait down a car <laughs> to get to the airport. So that was my, my Russia story. Um, but that was a long time ago. Like I said, it was, it was, I just wasn't prepared to go. Um, 
but that was my my rush story. And you know, like Mott said, I think I was gone for three or four days, and I was I was back <laughs> I at the Red Sox game. There you go. So, uh, I was like, so oh, that, that stinks. You're not going to be there for the uh, wedding, and uh, yeah. the, the the tickets. Next thing you know, he's like, hey, dude, I'm back. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, I'm back was, in. Can I? I'm back. You, you still got that seat available? Yeah. I, it was four four tickets. It's just you and Courtney, right? You mind if I come? <laughs> Going to the game, going to a Red Sox game like you two with you two is like going with uh, Jimmy yeah. Fallon in uh in in that what's it called Fever Pitch Fever yeah. Pitch movie. We made a movie about, about the Red Sox. We should have been in that movie. Yeah, well, you know? we went we went to a lot of games. Uh, we had some privileges. You know, they blocked off Yaki Way there, so we were able to walk up behind one of the bars and. Yeah. Get on Yaki Way there and just have uh, standing room only seats. So yeah, you right. still wear the jacket you stole from the dugout shoveling. <laughs> We've seen it. Mark. The bullpen jacket. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Lose. He didn't. He didn't steal it. Sorry, yeah. we don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, there. that was given to you. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. That was Bounced a gift. off a truck somewhere. <laughs> it's a fake. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. says red red sacks. <laughs> red sacks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, what a crazy story, Jesus! I tell, I still tell people that they're like, "What?" Like, yeah, yeah. But I had that, like, I was like this to a car, like, you know, I didn't think in the middle of the English. street, yeah, in the middle of the street. So you know, lucky enough, he spoke English. And That's I unbelievable. I, yeah, it was crazy. Did the uh, now where did the 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 long stick that you use? Like, when did when did that happen? Yeah, it was right around that. It was right around that time. Um, you know, I was having a, a really hard time getting around bigger defensemen, you know, like with the reach. I, you know, I used a stick, normal stick. I think it was originally here um, most of my career. And so, like, right around that time, it was probably like, I was probably 24, 25, right around that, right th- that time. And I was, I just couldn't get around defense. And if I was going around defense and I couldn't do it, I was really in defensive zone. I was having a tough time playing defense with the shorter stick, not having the reach. So, in the time of summertime, I just tried to extend it a little bit and then. You know, I really liked it, and I kept getting a little bit, a little bit longer each summer, um, to the point where, like, you know, now it, you know, is up almost taller than me. You know, by the time you know, twenty-seven, that's how far my stick was up to here, nothing up. So it's, I wouldn't advise everybody to do that. I don't, I wouldn't <laughs> tell kids to do it. I think that's something you have to work on. But, um, but after that, I, you know, I could, I had that reach where I could reach around defensemen and go around them and, you know, poke pucks through through sticks. And then when I started. Like I said, when I became a better defensive player, you know, I started to kill penalties, and then that's when the stick really worked. You know, it really caught people off guard, and like I said, it made me six three instead of five eight with my reach. Wow, yeah, that, and I mean, I think that the, the a point I take from that too is you got, you know, you you were old enough and kind of strong enough, where well, maybe not strong enough because you didn't pass any tests, but the. Yeah. Uh, the, but Apparently. but you know you were at that point in your game where you were you, you could handle it right it wasn't like something that just looked like really crazy or anything out there you were you were at that point where you were, you know your your size and you know you, your strength you could you could handle that length of a stick is basically what I'm trying to say it wasn't like something that all of a sudden like you see some kids now and the parents you know are like oh you know yeah my my kid's a, a defenseman I want him to have like a stick that's really long and it's like he's not strong enough to handle that yet is my advice for those younger guys you know yeah like that's you gotta be, be comfortable with what you use you know like I was always comfortable with the longest stick but like it wasn't helped me in my my career professionally but, like I felt like I need to do that to get to that next level um but that's something that you have to work on you know I would I, I would suggest do it younger age than what I did but 
It is it is hard to do. Like that's why I did in the summertime. I never did during the season because I felt comfortable during the year. So like whenever I, we skate in the summertime, getting ready for the season, that's when I did it. And um, you know, like I said, I get it started like that longer, and then you know the next time I went up to that longer, and then it just kept me a little longer. And you know, it just made me a better player. It made me a. I got so comfortable with it. And the the one thing that I did struggle with that I never really got comfortable with was was taking one timers. And that's something that, you know, it was too long. You, had, you couldn't use the, the, the torque of your stick because it was so long. So that, but I never really took one-timers anyway. So, like, you know, it was all right with me. You were feeding the guys for the one-timers. Yeah, you, were teeing, you were teeing them up for everybody else, putting them on the yeah. ladies' tees. Exactly. Another job. guy I wanted to, to, to ask you about was, um, you know, when you, when you went back to Providence, you end up playing with um, – you know, Patrice Bergeron during that lockout season. Talk about him and, and you know, obviously now I know you're a, you're a diehard Boston fan, but what were your first impressions of a young, you know, Bergeron and, and you know, obviously now the, the player that he is today? He's the same guy, you know, like he was the same. I remember the first time I met him, I met the team in Norfolk. I knew who Bergie was just from, you know, watching the year before. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure he was the first guy to come up and introduce himself to me when I got to the hotel for the first time, you know, and you know, knowing who he is now and what he's all about the, the, the guy he is like, that's just who he is. You know, like he's a guy who just, there's nothing to say bad about, you know, he was a good leader back then. He was, I think he was 19. Was he 19 at that year? Roughly yeah. around there. So, and he was probably one of our, he was one of our top three leaders, like the way he played, like he played the same exact way he did now. Um, you know, we got, we went to the playoffs that year. We both dyed our hair blonde. You know, we became good friends because I was on his line that year. It was me, Bergeron, and Hilbert was the line. So, you know, we all three of us dyed our hair blonde. Probably why I have no hair left anymore because I dyed it all blonde. But, <laughs> but Bergie's like, we're, 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 blonde, we're bleaching our hair. I'm like, all right, whatever you say. I'll do what you tell me to do. So, um, But, like, he, he played the exact same way he did when he was 19 he does now. You know, and he's probably – and I tell this to everybody, he's the nicest guy I ever met through hockey. He just is, you know, and he's just, it's its just amazing that he was 18 in the NHL and he's still going, you know, and it just shows, you know, he's in great shape. He was in great shape back then. Um, but the, I want my son to be that type of player and that type of person. That's the type of player, the type of person he is. Like I tell my son, like this, when you watch a hockey game, watch Patrice Bergeron. Cause that's how, you should play hockey. That's a, the right way you play hockey. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's just great, a great advice. Guy. Yeah, that, that's what I say to the uh, the boys don't that I coach. <laughs> don't watch the way I play. Watch. Them. Don't watch me. Yeah, and and yeah. for kids that are local here, it's such a treat to have, and we can watch them uh, game in, game out, and yeah, just look so at lucky. the small little things, the positional uh, things that he does, and. You know, he obviously gets the points as well, but um, that's like the secondary part of how good he is. You know, right. although and that right, and, and, and you know, if Charles wasn't in Boston, he probably wouldn't have captain the same amount of time. You know, what I mean, so that's just the way he is. And you know, I you know, I probably two years ago, you know, I saw him a text, and I was like, you know, I'm going to bring my kids to the game, and um, you know, my uncle's in, in rough shape and you're his favorite players anyway if I brought a picture up you'd sign it for him he's like yeah sure so he got passes and um, brought the kids down and introduced himself to, the, to my kids and um, he brought you know a, a, his own Boston Bruins Bergeron jersey and signed it for, for my uncle 
was in the hospital, you know, so that's the type of player wow. he is, you know, or the type of person he is, you know, like we played together and, you know, 15 so years and, you know, it's the type of guy he is. He's awesome. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you moved on to the Carolina uh, Hurricanes organization. Can you talk to us about that time and, and the cup run they made and, and how you were a part of it as well? Yeah, it was a special year. You know, like that was the first year that I actually got called to the NHL. Um, you know, I got called up first game was against uh, the, the Montreal Canadiens, who I hated, obviously, because they're from Boston, <laughs> you know. So um, so that was kind of cool. But uh, and I think I ended up playing uh, 10 games that year. Um, then, you know, got sent down, finished the year. We didn't make the playoffs. And then, you know, they called up, I think, three of us to be black aces, um, you know, practice with the team, travel with the team, and in case somebody got hurt. And, you know, they, they just went on a run. You know, I think in the second series, they played against Montreal, and we were down uh, three games to one. And we, you know, we were packing up, ready to go home. Like, we thought it was over, and they went back, and they ended up coming all the way back and winning. And, um obviously won the Stanley Cup in game seven against Edmonton. But, you know, we I learned so much about how you got to play to win. You know, you learn so much that every little mistake you make in a playoff game ends up in the back of the net. You turn the puck over the blue line in the playoffs, it's going to end up in the back of the net. You know, and um, those guys treated us awesome. They treated us like we were part of the team. And um, it was a lot of fun partying with the Cup. Obviously, that was pretty special. You know, I was able to have my dad. Um, come down. He ended up coming on the ice, watching the game, and you know, got some really cool pictures. Um, so it was a really cool year. Like I said, I was able to play my first NHL game. You know, after I think seven years in the minors that year, and then kind of cap it off to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, they gave me, they gave us all Stanley Cup rings. So um, you know, they, they treated us great. Who was the first NHL goal against? Martin Brodeur. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> one for the memory I, books. I, I think I scored 16. I think three of them were against Brodeur. And then really? one, one and then one of the goals I actually boxed boxed out Mott in front of the net. I used my big body. I boxed him out. Got a pass. I remember walking from behind the net and I put it in, right? I remember so, that. Uh, I <laughs> we should Mott, get Mott's, did you have three in practice against Brodeur? Ah uh, no, he may he <laughs> humiliated me because of my uh, muffin of a shot. Yeah. Yeah. He, no, honestly, he would kick him into the stands. <laughs> I'm like, come on, dude! Like, yeah. don't embarrass me like so, that. Yeah, so, but uh, I I do remember that one, Kate. We might yeah. have to try to uh, dig that up and, and get, get it on the uh, on the interweb. I'll go on YouTube and look it up and find it for you. oh that's awesome i want to ask you about um i remember we were skating down i think it was this was at bavis you guys are still playing pro but i was already in the in the working world and you brought a young jack eichel down to skate with us and i mean at the time he was probably like 13 14 years old and and i remember you telling us like this kid's gonna be something special but how did you i mean obviously you guys are basically from the same neighborhood um, you know, talk about him and, and, you know, the player he was then and, and obviously now. Yeah, I think he was 13, which is crazy to think about. He was you know? young. He was, yeah. he was really young. And I think he was already my size at that time, you know, like he was already a big kid. But um, so he lived, yeah, we live in the same town and, and my uh, my parents' close friends are next door neighbors with him. And, you know, they asked if I could bring him to skate, you know, teach him some couple things, whatever. Because um, he actually was – I was one of his favorite players because he used to come watch me at the Lockmonsters all the time. So, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll bring him down for a skate, you know, 
and I heard he was going to be a good player. Like I didn't know he was going to be a second overall at that time, but I knew he was going to be good. So like, you know, I called him, I'm like, you know, I'm going down skate with some of the pro guys getting ready for the season. And, you know, you, you want to come? He's like, yeah, of course. So I picked him up, brought him down and I couldn't believe how good he was, but I don't know if you guys remember this, but we were doing a drill and he ran into Hal Gill. They were doing like a crossing. And he almost got killed. Like I was like, oh boy, he's not going to get up. Obviously he got up, whatever, but um, yeah. So like he, you know, just a great kid, a great family. And, but you know, skills he you know, almost ended in, ended his career ended, at there. Yeah, I, I'm, the pretty sure Davis. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Hal Davis. I'm pretty sure it's Hal. But uh, yeah, that was the first time he got to play with the pro guys. And um, you know, I, I at Christmas time this year, I went over to his house and had him sign a couple of jerseys for for my kids and stuff. So still a great guy, and you know, hopefully he can get, stay healthy here and get going. Yeah, wish him the best getting back on the uh, on the health train here. Yeah. That's a, a sensitive area to be be injured, but you yeah. so uh, just working on a little bit more here with uh, you signed with Washington, and you had um, quite a bit of success at the NHL level and um, at the minor league level. You mind chatting to us about uh, your experiences there? Yeah, I ended up being with I think with Washington for four years. Um, you know, first first two years I ended up being mostly. I was up and down at that time. I think it was still you, you had to clear entry waivers and re-entry waivers. You had to clear twice, I think, if you played more than ten games. I think so. Um, I ended up, you know, I think I'm up and down a little bit for the first two years. But you know, when I was down the minors in Hershey, which is one of the the top places to play in the, the AHL, you know, again, twelve thousand fans a night, and you know, we were we were loaded. You know, we had a, you know, John Carlson was down there, Kyle Alsner, um, Matthew Perot was there. Um, Andrew Gordon, uh, Chris Bork, um, and then our goalies was was uh, Hopi, uh, Michael Newverth. So, you know, they had some really young, good players at that time. And, you know, we had a mix of older guys in Hershey that were really good and, you know, kind of close in that borderline of being in the NHL or being in the AHL. So, um, you know, we had a load and we ended up winning back-to-back uh, championships uh, in 08, 09, and 9, and 10. Um, the first year we beat uh, Manitoba. And then the second year would be in Texas. Um, so it was, it was, you know, two, the first two years were awesome. You know, that was two, we could have been, we might've been able to be an NHL team, to be honest, at that, <laughs> those two years, you know, we, we were really good. Um, you know, and then the next two years, I ended up playing a lot more in Washington. Um, you know, the final two seasons when I was in a contract with them. And I think my last year, they uh, made a coaching change halfway through the year. They brought in, um, uh, Dale Hunter halfway through the season and then I ended up getting called up I think it was you know three quarters way through the season they called me up and uh, Dale really liked me you know he's playing me over a lot of you know veteran guys um, and I ended up playing the last third third of the season there and then in the playoffs we ended up losing to New York in the conference final conference semifinal we lost game seven at Madison Square Garden um, that was kind of the year that I was like, okay, you know, I kind of made it. I'm going to be in the NHL. You know, I don't know how many years left I have, but, you know, maybe four or five years, I can kind of end up in the NHL full time. You know, after playing the playoffs the way I did. And then Dale decided to retire and go back to junior hockey in Canada. So, um, but I was hoping I could stay and I would have been able to come back. Um, but my four years were really good years where I played a lot in the NHL and won two College Cup championships with uh, Hershey. That second call the uh, year was uh, the 2010 year, right? Yeah. So you see the 106 points, 
and uh, was the league MVP, which uh, is no big deal, right? <laughs> well, you know, that year, you know, we had, I was playing with the same two, I was playing with the same two forwards for two straight years. So we had a lot of chemistry. I think we ended up, two of us ended up having a little bit, maybe 100 points that year. Um, but, but, you know, our power play was running at like a 32% clip. So, like, every time we got in the power play, we're, we're scoring, you know. So, um, so like, that was one of those years I think I was playing with Alex Giroux um, yeah. and uh, Chris Bork and Andrew Gordon. Um, so, like, we, I mean, we had the line that was just – if we didn't score three times a, a night, we were disappointed, you know. Like, <laughs> let's go. But, um, yeah, we, it was just – we had so much chemistry. And Alex Giroux and, you know, Chris Bork, every time you passed on the puck – they had some of the best one-timers in the week, you know, and they were going to score. So, you know, they made my job a lot easier. Yeah, Borky, I don't think anybody enjoys scoring a goal more than Borky. He loves it. <laughs> I love that kid. I need oh, to see him the... more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a grump. What a grump. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's, uh, you know, and, and I, I end up helping him. He went to Germany. Yeah, Munich last couple of years, so I helped him get there. I told him, like, you know, he's out there, and I think he did. So, uh, great kid, great family. Yeah, he seems to be enjoying it over there and 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 having good success. And when when you did make the move overseas, did you find um, like playing on that bigger sheet? Did was that an advantage for you, or did did it did it help? You know, hurt you, help you? What did you think about that? Yeah, to be honest, I really, I didn't like it. At first, really? I really didn't like it. Yeah. You know, and I didn't notice it that much other than on the power play. Whenever I got the power, the puck on the half wall, I felt like I was so far away from the net. You know, I, you know, every pass I made was that much further to a, to a guy. So, like, that that was the biggest thing that, for me that I had to get used to was, was the power play. I didn't really notice it that much uh, during, like, a regular game. I really didn't. Uh, but the power play, I, I just felt like I was too far away from everybody. Everything was so spread out. And that was a – that was a – something I really had to get used to. And once I did, it was kind of, you know, I got used to it pretty quick. But you know, I'd say the first 10 games, that was the hardest part is I was getting used to it. it was being, every time I had the puck on the half wall, I felt like I was too far away to make a pass, you know. So, um, but that was the biggest thing. That was definitely different for me. That's an interesting take. That's funny. Yeah, because when we talk about playing on an uh, olympic size sheet, you know, for some of the listen, listeners that might not know, it's it's a little bit bigger. It's 100 by 200 versus 85 by 200 in the North American uh, ranks. But, you know, defending, it's still the same size rank inside the dots. So, you know, I would let – if I was yeah. playing against you, I would just let you, you know, do your spins and twirls out outside right, the man. dots. That's what they did. So, like, every time you're in a power play – you wouldn't get forced. You got the puck in the halfway, and they're, they're just looking at you, and you're just standing there. Yeah. Because they're not going to come that far out to get you, right? So right. you kind of played into the penalty killer's hands by going up on the half wall. So it, it was an adjustment. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's – I playing at UNH, obviously, we had an Olympic-sized sheet, and I wasn't, uh, you know, a great skater, but I, I just felt mm-hmm. same thing. Like, defensively, like, there's no way I'm going to go chase some, some little guy that can fly in the corner. Like, there's right. just – there's no upside for me you know what i mean it's like i'll just get embarrassed and i'll be basically in the stands and this guy's going to be tucking one in the back of the net you know what i mean exactly. but you just you learn how to, to to figure it out pretty quickly but that's yeah. that's uh it's funny that you know 
thinking about it on the power play, you, you, you're able to, you know, when you, when you are pressured, you make those plays quicker, right? And, and you find those open guys and, and you know, you can kind of think, like you said, you, you try to play a step or two steps ahead of people. And there it's like they're just packing it in and waiting for you to make the mistake. Exactly. I mean, yeah, all you do is stand there. You know what I mean? So you're so far away. You know, you, right. you, you help them by just standing there on the half wall. So, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be a bigger, you know, learning thing for myself. But but like I said, that that was the only time I really noticed it. The first time I had a power play, I was like, wow, I got to get used to this, you know. So. Yeah, what am I doing over here? Yeah. Why is nobody <laughs> coming at me? I'm all by myself. Know, exactly. Come get me. I need some friends. <laughs> like you said, like you want them to come at you because that's when the passing lane's open. Like when, when guys start running at you, that's when you see the open lanes. You know, and they can just sit there. There's no lanes to pass to. So all you're doing is sitting on the half or killing the power play for two minutes. Yeah, exactly. So three championships and uh scoring title to cap it all off. Uh, you know, your experience overseas was a good one. I mean, I know that we ch- chatted, you know, about it before, but – um, would you recommend guys looking at that option uh, as, as an alternative or even, you know, just coming out of school that not chasing, you have played in every, every league. So as far as advice that you would give some people coming out of school yeah, or I mean, I later think, in their careers. Yeah. I mean, either or, right. I think, you know, guys can go over there and make pretty good money, you know, compared to playing like, you know, in the East coast league, you make really good money over there. I think I would, you know, I kind of wish I went there earlier in my career, to be honest, but like, you know, I was, I was still playing in the NHL, you know, I never wanted to give that up, you know, and that's why I did go to Europe because, you know, my last year with St. Louis, I played two games and I kind of figured, you know, that was it. That's why I went over. So, you know, my mindset was whenever, you know, I wasn't getting an opportunity to play at the NHL, it was time to go over there for a couple of years and, and, you know, try it out. So that was, that was my mindset of going to Europe, but, um, I think if you get a couple of years over here, you don't make it, you can go over there and it's really good leagues, you know, Switzerland, Germany, Austria, you know, you can go over there and, and have some fun and travel with your family. Or if you have a family and you have a lot of time off you go over there and you only play, you know, 50 games. So it's a lot easier on your body. You know, we played Friday and Sunday nights in Germany, you know, so you played Friday, you had a day to rest and you played again. So for an, an older boy like me at that time, it was great, you know, so. Um, but I definitely recommend it for to future guys. You know, if they don't, they're not getting where they want to be early in their career. Don't be afraid to go. Oh, yeah, that's great. yeah. The two boys over there, Maureen and and yeah, Nathan and Braden. Uh, it's it's just a great experience for for families as well. If you if you get the right setup in the right cities and and like you said, not 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 as taxing on the uh, the body. No, it definitely is. But like, you know, if you go over there, do your research. You know, don't be like me and go to Russia and not have no research. <laughs> go. You know, do your research and you know, and, and you if you do your research, you're gonna really have a good time. Like I said, you have a lot of time off and you can travel and see the world a little bit. It's a great opportunity. How about the boys? Are you coaching or, or you, what do they uh, what do they think? Oh yeah, they uh, they both play in hockey, um, coaching both teams, and they both play baseball. Uh, right now in the summer, so uh, coaching both of those teams, so staying busy with them and um, having a lot of fun. You know, it's a great age. They're both nine six. One's nine, one's six. So they love they love playing baseball. They love playing hockey, and so I'm having a lot of fun with it. And best part about being retired is you get to spend a lot of time with them and make up the time that you did miss while you're traveling playing hockey. So having a great time and nothing better than being a dad. 
Oh, that's great. Well, we uh, we can't thank you enough for your time. Obviously, just an amazing career and, uh, you know, just a, a great story. A guy that played, you know, in, in public high school and, uh, you know, Division three hockey and then ultimately, you know, played in the NHL. So uh, thanks for thanks for joining the Rink Shrinks podcast. We uh, we really appreciate you, you, you jumping on here with us. Thanks yeah, Keith. Me. Yeah, it's just awesome. it's great. Great message. It's great for people to hear. And, you know, it's that about that believability. You believe in yourself and you earned everything you you achieved at every single level. So that's just a, a great message for everyone to hear. And I've always said it, but, uh, you know, always proud of, of your successes because of the person you are, uh, uh, you know, on the ice and off the ice. And I just I'm just really happy you were able to come on and, and share your story. Thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot from you. You know, it really does. I'm being serious. So you guys have been good friends of mine for a while. So I love the show. I, like I said, I watch it on Instagram here and there. So I've been waiting. I'm like, when are they going to invite me to come on? <laughs> like, what did I do wrong with these guys? So, oh, uh, but, awesome. but it's great to come on. And like I said, got the new show and hopefully it keeps going. Go Sox, awesome. right? Yeah. Hey, we, th- hey, th- we, three and a half the, up. If we get to the World Series, why don't we have a live show watching the World Series? Yeah, done. Done. Let's do it. It'd be unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Keith Acorn. Great message. Great, great person. Great player. But when we were growing up, NHL players were such a mystery. We had no access into what they were doing away from the rink or how they trained, what drills they use, how they spend their off seasons. TorchPro.com is changing all of that. They're giving young athletes, parents, fans, coaches insight and content into some of the best players in the world you can sign up for free it takes 30 seconds and start accessing behind the scenes content from players like charlie mcavoy joe pavelski megan keller riley riley shahan and more i would have benefited so much like with content like this and we're excited to partner with torch pro to help get our community better access to some of the best players in the world what do you think by would you have looked at uh wanted to look at some of your top top players behind the scenes stuff that you would like to uh, see? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've, I've watched a bunch of these and, you know, as uh, I know I was growing up, but I was such a, you know, a visual learner and to be able to watch these guys and how they train. And, you know, you watch a guy like Tr- Joe Pavelski and Charlie McAvoy and some of the things they do behind the scenes and talk about nutrition and um, their dieting and those things. I, I think it's really invaluable. I think they're, they're really ahead of the curve with that stuff. Uh, it's fantastic. And you can really learn so much for it. And, uh, and also that, you know, when you, when you sign up at uh, torchpro.com, uh, that also includes that daily morning blitz um, email that you get, which is you know basically a, a you know a, a quick re- recap, basically a uh, the cliff notes version of what happened the day before in in the sporting world, whether it's you know the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, uh, you know the Euro Cup, whatever may be going on, and it gives you that kind of that quick you know two three line hitter that uh, you know talks about everything, which you know for me. Uh, I don't have time to sit down and, and, and read the paper, you know, for an hour or two each day. I, I, you know, I log on and the emails, you know, hits my, my inbox by five thirty six o'clock every morning. And, uh, I get, you know, dialed in on what happened in the, the night before, if I wasn't able to watch a game or I missed something, um, you know, up-to-date stats in the MLB and things like that. It, it, it really is. They do some cool trivia stuff. So, 
really, uh, really good stuff. Um, so make sure you guys take advantage of that. Again, everything's for free. And if it's free, I'll take three moths. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, check it out. Um, also with us, you know, Mott's great episode. It was, uh, you know, it was a blast talking with, uh, with, with, with Keith, a coin. Uh, I think it's just a tremendous message and, and somebody that just willed his way to the NHL, um, <clears throat> a fantastic guy, a good friend to ours. And, and we really appreciated him taking the time and coming on and talking with us. Yeah. Great message. Great person. So I'm happy that he came on and hopefully, uh, you know, people can, take something from his journey and his path and apply it to their own. Yeah. Um, and also don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the rink shrinks and Twitter at rink shrinks, uh, fill up that voicemail for next episode, three, four, seven, six shrink. Again, that's three, four, seven, six, seven, four, seven, four, six, five. Or you can always email us any questions or stories at, uh, rink shrinks at gmail.com. We, um, you know, we really enjoy, you know, the feedback. Obviously, next week, uh, episode 26 will be a mailbag episode. So fill up that voicemail. The more questions and, and, and stories that you guys share with us, the more content that we're going to have uh, to discuss with you. All right, Dave, cue that rink shrink shuffle. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.